Hey everybody, it's your host Bill Geist. With almost 60 episodes of DMOU Podcast in the vault spanning almost two years of conversations with some of the best and the brightest in our sector, it's not entirely unusual for someone to have changed jobs from their description. For example, Craig Davis was a guest along with Visit KC's Jason Fulvey a couple months before he transitioned from the helm of Visit Pittsburgh to Visit Dallas. But today's episode needs some context. As we recorded our conversation with Kathy Ritter just over two weeks ago, while she was the director of the Colorado Office of Tourism. Indeed, her bio at the beginning of this episode says just that. Unfortunately, Kathy is no longer with Colorado, but that in no way diminishes her message on sustainability and targeting the right visitor for your destination. So we're adding it to the vault, and we wish Kathy the very best in her next chapter. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by today's show. This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Longwoods International, one of the premier research firms in travel and tourism in the world. Longwoods produces groundbreaking research, thought-leading insights, and excellent counsel and service to DMOs in areas like visitor research, advertising effectiveness, image research, and their new resident sentiment study, which is essential as travel opens back up. So you can learn more at longwoods-intl.com. Our guest today is Kathy Ritter. She is the director of the Colorado Tourism Office since December of 2015, and she leads a $16.5 million initiative to drive recovery of tourism in a state where the stakes for tourism success are understandably high. Prior to shutdowns that were triggered by the coronavirus last March, Colorado tourism was generating over $24 billion annually in direct travel spending, along with $1.5 billion in state and local taxes. With support of the statewide tourism industry, Kathy initiated development of the Colorado Tourism Roadmap, a strategic plan aimed at sharpening the state's competitive edge while promoting destination stewardship and inspiring travelers to try less visited destinations. She also led an initiative to establish eight new Colorado travel regions and directs a national marketing campaign that ranks among the top 10% nationally for inspiring potential travelers to visit. Kathy is chair of the National Council of State Tourism Directors and serves on the executive committee of the U.S. Travel Association. She is also recently named as a trustee of the U.K.-based Travel Foundation, dedicated to promoting global tourism sustainability. And she is the secretary-treasurer of the Western States Tourism Policy Council and was named the Colorado Hotel and Lodging Association Industry Partner of the Year in 2018. Previously, Kathy served four years as the head of Illinois tourism. Kathy Ritter, welcome to DMOU. Thank you so much, Bill. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. You know, as we were talking, I caught you along with some other DMO pros on honestly one of the best webinars I've seen in quite some time. The topic was how we market our destinations next with a sensitivity and sensibility that also takes into consideration our residents, especially for destinations that were on the precipice of, I I hate the word over-tourism. I think it's more extractive tourism, 
which is where visitors take but don't give back meaningfully to a local community. The message must change as we hurdle back towards travel after COVID. You said that you've begun to target what you call the high-value consumer. So first question, describe what that customer looks like. What is a high-value consumer for Colorado? Well, Bill, for us, it's truly about focusing our marketing efforts on those travelers who are delivering the best value for the state. And that may be whether due to the amounts they spend, where they take those dollars, when they spend, or how they travel. So in our view, the simplest view of a high-value traveler is someone who spends more than the average traveler. That's a very basic definition of the high-value traveler. Thus, our highest value traveler overall would be the international traveler, but our highest value domestic travelers tend to be skiers because they spend more per trip than any of our other domestic traveler groups. But we have been developing other definitions for high value travelers apart from economics and impact. So here's just a few of the ways we think about this concept. We have established new thinking around placing a value on what we call drivers of dispersion. These are travelers who may visit our rural areas. They may not spend as much as travelers who spend or who visit Denver or a ski resort, but they are high value because they are enriching rural economies and they may have an oversized impact on that rural economy relative to even more spending you know, in a more prosperous area. We also place a value on off-season visitors. So for instance, cyclists may not spend as much as other travelers, but they are high value because they tend to like to visit during spring and fall, and they love to travel rural areas. So they help fill excess capacity during times when we have capacity. We also place a new value now on people who are high value because they lightly impact our resources. This is an area of much concern in Colorado. And we believe by targeting these kinds of travelers who are really interested in reducing their impacts as they travel, these are people who will fit right in with our Colorado ethics and cause very few, if any, ripples in our local communities. These are our low impact visitors. And our most recent definition of a high value traveler really centers on values who add to the diversity of our traveler audiences. So we're seeing opportunity to position our state as an enlightened destination by sending an even more welcoming message to diverse travelers, whether people of color, people with disabilities, or people from an LGBTQ community. We believe that collectively, by targeting these kinds of travelers, we can add value to what we do as a state tourism office and also build a case for why it's so important for our state to continue funding our work. To the point of the conscientious traveler, and that really gets to that the concept, and I, I hate it when I can't attribute a, a term or a quote to somebody else, and I'm, I'm completely missing on the guy who coined the phrase extractive tourism. And extractive tourism to him was kind of like mining, that people come into our destinations and they take. And they take the experience, they take a toll, and they leave very little other than maybe some money in the community. And that whole conscientious thing, I think, is really important that the high-value consumer 
isn't just those who will spend the most money. They're the ones that mm-hmm. really reflect our values, right? That's so true. We're all using these new words these days because we're finding that we have to approach our work in different ways. I would say the opposite of extractive tourism is regenerative tourism. And that's a path that we've been moving down. We have a a microsite on colorado.com that's called Colorado Trips. And it's one of our major dispersion strategies as well. But we've also embedded, and this was back in 2017 when we launched it. We didn't call it regenerative tourism then. We were just responding to research we were seeing that was indicating people were seeking meaning in their travel. And so we added what we were calling sustainability tips into each one of the itineraries we developed for this uh, microsite. And they might range from recommending a way for someone to volunteer while they were in a certain destination or finding a way for them to gain education about um, sustainability or perhaps either helping build a trail or donate to a trails organization or funding some other cause that we in Colorado care about. But I think there's so much more that can be done along these lines, especially when we're talking about working with indigenous peoples, people in rural communities. I think there are so many ways that we can really start thinking about ways we can give back to the destinations that we're bringing visitors to. Isn't that really the crux of the conversation because, you know, as Longwoods has done their resident sentiment studies, they're showing that really the majority of Americans support a tourism economy. They like to welcome people into their communities. They understand the value of that. But at the same time, if it's the type of visitor that doesn't match their culture, that's where the disconnect happens. And so what you're doing with this high value consumer concept is so far beyond. And as we were prepping this call, we talked about the fact that I remember back in the, geez, it was probably the early nineties when Donna Shaw was the director of Illinois tourism. She famously said, we're going to stop promoting state parks because that's not a high value consumer. They bring their own beer, they bring their own bed and they bring their own bait. She says, I want people downtown Chicago because that's where the money is. And that was an interesting concept and one that kind of blew us all back a little bit at the moment, but it made sense, but it didn't make sense in the more holistic world that you're kind of defining here, that especially with inclusivity and diversity, this doesn't necessarily mean more money. This means more inclusivity. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I have great admiration for Donna Shaw. She was my predecessor <laughs> at the Illinois Bureau of Tourism, as I know you know, Bill. Yeah. But one of the things I often say to our team here in Colorado is that if we were a Fortune 500 company, we would be directing all of our marketing resources to generating the highest return on investment possible. Mm-hmm. But we're not a Fortune 500 company. We're a state agency with a mission of driving economic development throughout our state. And that's why we've broadened that definition of high-value travelers, because we do believe there is an imperative for us as public servants to find ways to use tourism truly as a force for good. You know, how can we attract visitors in ways that enrich the lives of our residents? That is a big focus for our office. The other work we've done along those lines really has been to focus on the kinds of visitors that residents feel comfortable with. And we've had the 
these conversations all over our state, particularly when we were developing those eight new travel regions. Mm -hmm. And even in some of the more rural areas of our state that were really looking for other ways to drive their economy, the question would come up, well, you know, if we start attracting visitors here, is that going to change us? Because we like who we are. We like the way we live here, and we don't want to yeah. disrupt that. Right. There's just a desire to make certain that if we're inviting people in, they're going to feel like family. <laughs> you know, They're going to fit in. They're not going to be the black sheep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we have really made a concerted effort to identify what our consultant calls place DNA and make certain that we're lining up the visitors we target um, to be very compatible not only with what a certain destination has to offer, but with that culture of the destination. So, you know, we end up targeting birders, for example, on our eastern plains. We have not only a long list of bucket list types of birds that people who really care about birding would love to see, but it's a great fit with the sort of slow pace and relaxed atmosphere of that part of our state. And I think that is truly a formula for success when people are trying to figure out how to manage too many people in the same place at the same time. You know, I'd like to go a little further down this path of what you call dispersion. I was just in a destination earlier this week doing a strategic plan for a DMO, and it has the primary city, if you will, but there are two or three other kind of satellite communities around it that you know, they're saying, well, you're not giving us enough attention and you're not talking about us. And part of it is, is yeah, they are talking about them and it's part of the experience, but they're not seeing their name. The community name is so important to them from an ego perspective. And I get that. We all understand that you want to you know, be known for something. Mm-hmm. But when the magnet is a name that everybody understands, that's the hook. But this dispersion concept of sending people into the less traveled, I think, is what we all really want. It it deals with the over-tourism issue. It deals on a local level with people feeling that they're included Mm -hmm. in the destination and not just a, a sidecar. Talk to us a little bit more about the whole dispersion concept. Yeah, I referred earlier in this conversation, Bill, to our Call the Road Trips microsite, Mm -hmm. and that really was introduced as the main vehicle for dispersing travelers throughout our state. It now holds more than 200 searchable itineraries to destinations across Colorado, and it provides, you know, uh, places to stay, places to eat, and fun things to do throughout the day. So it's sort of a ready-made turnkey experience for a traveler to try a part of the state they've never ventured to, because you really can't go wrong with one of these these itineraries, I'm here to tell you. Um, We're building on that idea very soon with launch of what we're calling our Schoolcation Initiative. So we've developed eight new itineraries, one for each of those eight travel regions that are ready-made for families who have kindergartners to fifth graders to hit the road travel one of these itineraries with downloadable learning activities and visit all kinds of interesting backwaters in Colorado that they may never have even heard of. But there's a collection of fun hotels, a different place to stay every night, fun restaurants that are kid-friendly to eat at along the way, and at least three activities every single day. So we were thinking this could really be a service for those parents who might feel a little tinge of guilt, you know, over the kind of school year their kids may have had with the disruptions we've seen 
over the past year. But these are also really fun trips and they're very affordable. So we thought, okay, this is mm -hmm. a great way to drive rural economic development by getting people to try roads they've never tried. The other wonderful framework, at least in Colorado, and many states have these kinds of assets too, are scenic byways. So Colorado has 26 scenic and historic byways, more than any other state. Last year, we launched the Colorado Scenic and Historic Byways microsite. So that provides a collection of videos, maps, content, and other guidance to inspire people again to hit the road and take time to explore, you know, some of these byways and they thread through every corner of our state. And they include spectacular sites and some really interesting historic treasures. This byways network now is being enhanced through a partnership with the Colorado Energy Office. They've been busy building out a fast charging network for Colorado to accommodate electric vehicles. And we encourage them to take a look at creating um, EV routes along our byways. So as of right now, there are six of these 26 byways that are ready for electric vehicle travel. By late summer, there will be 12. And Colorado Energy Office now has a goal of electrifying mm -hmm. 24 of the 26 byways mm -hmm. by June 2023. Very cool. So that is yeah. going to, that also fits very nicely, Bill. I'm sure you're putting the pieces together. That also fits very nicely into the message that we'll be sharing with low impact travelers, you yeah. know, those travelers who really care about reducing their impacts. So we're already working with partners on assembling experiences for people to travel our state conscientiously. There is a nationwide shortage of electric rental cars, but we're hoping to line up an electric rental car partner. Um, but we think there's so much opportunity in, you know, just giving people guidance on how to find those, those less visited sites. So clearly lessening the impact on the high trafficked destinations, moving people, dispersing them to some of the other experiences, which frankly, I would believe can be some of the most meaningful because you're taking that, you know, road less traveled, right? There's the goodness of spreading out the wealth. Let's take it to the internal political side. What have you found the political advantages of showcasing these smaller communities? How have the rural politicians and businesses responded to this? Is this a welcome to them or are they somewhat nervous about the whole concept? I can tell you we share this initiative unabashedly as a rural economic development initiative. Mm -hmm. And it has become one of the ways that I believe we have built support within our state general assembly for supporting tourism. <laughs> we may be the only state tourism office required by law to conduct research on our promotional efforts. And so we're very intentional about showing the increase in uh, rural economic development and the economic impact of tourism in these rural counties. There's about uh, 48 of our 64 counties that are rural, and we've been able to show that over the past four or five years, the economic impact of tourism in those counties has been growing at a faster rate than Colorado as a whole. I mean, I think it's, it's important to do it, but it's also important to measure and share the outcomes that you're seeing. Last year, along with the Leave No Trace Center for Outdoor Ethics, your office launched a thing called Care for Colorado, which today is an alliance 
of over 20 other local, state, and federal agencies. Tell us about this incredible initiative. It lines up perfectly with everything that you've said so far in this conversation, but you've now taken it really a step forward to go beyond just spreading out and and being dispersive, but actually then saying, leave no trace. Tell us about the concept. We actually launched this program back in May of 2018, right before the start of the Memorial Day weekend. We had completed a strategic planning process that resulted in passage of what we call the Colorado Tourism Roadmap. And it was based on listening sessions that we had held in 23 locations throughout our state. And one of the constant pieces of feedback we were getting no matter where we were in the state was this rising concern about the impact of travelers on Colorado resources, whether water, wildlife, land. And we were hearing suddenly a lot, this was back in the summer of 2016, about this phenomenon of too many people in the same place at the same time. And it was very clear that we needed to develop a response to this or it was going to turn into a threat to tourism Mm -hmm. and potentially to our tourism funding. We actually approached the Leave No Trace Center for Outdoor Ethics during 2017 with the full support of our board. And we entered into a memorandum of understanding to develop a shared message to Colorado travelers and residents about caring for Colorado's resources. This played out over several months, but we ultimately ended up with a document that we collectively endorsed called the Care for Colorado Principles, and that was based on the classic Leave No Trace 7 principles. So our principles had uh, snappier, jazzier names like stick to trails, keep wildlife wild, trash the trash. These seven principles Mm -hmm. became the refrain that we shared with visitors through videos, brochures, downloadable posters. We also made sure we were sharing all of these creative assets with our partners. And then we started seeing the value of truly building a coalition who could serve as a springboard for all of this messaging that we were creating. And as you referenced, we now have, I believe, Mm -hmm. 28 partners who have now joined the Care for Colorado Coalition. Our most recent partner is the National Park Service. So all four national parks in Colorado just have joined this coalition as well. Um, our Colorado Parks and Wildlife, all of our state parks are in this group as well. The Colorado Hotel and Lodging Association, virtually um, every major statewide tourism organization is now joined together on a monthly basis to share out the messaging distributed by the Colorado Tourism Office to tens of millions of people without spending a dime of paid media. We're all using social, websites, you know, and other means of sharing this messaging. Because everyone in this group is deeply committed to the very real need to protect Colorado as our destination. It's our calling card. And so we've all decided we need to be the ones who are first in line to protect this wonderful state. So the concept of leave no trace, which is fabulous and we should all adopt it in any destination, it tends to focus on the physical assets, like you said, trash the trash, you know, stick to the trails, all that. But you've added one that I find fascinating, and that is safety for others. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit more about that. 
So we call this, I mean, this obviously grew out of new pressures um, tourism had never mm-hmm. faced last year. And as we were starting to hear from destinations about the, the very real fears of residents about inviting people into their destinations during this period of time, it became clear that it would be very important. I used to call it our resident reassurance program. Mm-hmm. You know, it became very clear that we needed to demonstrate to our residents that we were also taking steps to educate our travelers about the the precautions they needed to take before they set foot in our communities. And as this evolved, we called it Care for Coloradans instead of Care for Colorado. But it, it truly became a new expression of our responsible tourism program. And this responsibility revolved around not just taking care of Colorado resources, which is still important, but also taking care of other people including the people who call our destinations home. Yeah, interesting. I saw a piece just today coming out of Texas that, I mean, it goes both ways. You know, there are that 40 to 50% of Americans that continue to say, we're not exactly sure we're ready to welcome people who may bring the vid to us. And so not really sure about this whole tourism thing and maybe not quite yet. And it goes the other way is that, you know, four major conventions have now pulled back from Texas and said, we're not coming because you dropped the mask mandate. And it's like, it, it really goes both ways, doesn't it? It's, it is about care for people and making sure that everyone feels secure, welcome, and safe. So true. There was a recent destinations analyst study that showed yeah. a real, really sharp divide on this issue. of travelers, this was a couple of weeks ago, said that they would be more likely to visit a destination where where mask wearing was not required. 45% said they would be less likely. So people obviously have very strong feelings about this. And it's important for us as travel marketers, Mm -hmm. as destination managers, to be sensitive to these concerns and respond appropriately. Well, congratulations for all that you're doing there. I love the Care for Colorado, and I love the whole concept that, you know, going after a high value consumer isn't something that is elitist. The initial response, I think when somebody hears high value consumer, they think, oh, only rich people. And so that's, that's elitist in some way. But as you describe it, and maybe that's the key, is when you say you're looking at the high value consumer, you do exactly what you did in our first question, is you go through the fact that it's dispersion, the fact that it's travel light, the fact that it's conscientious, it's inclusionary, it's diverse. It's all the things you want for your state or destination. And it's not just about the money, right? Correct. I mean, defining a high value traveler only by the amount of money they're putting into your economy is the definition of extractive tourism. (laughs) So as we're moving away from that extractive tourism model, and and it's important. I mean, tourism is important to economic development. So I'm I'm not going to overlook that aspect of the high value traveler, but I do think we can create a much richer definition of high value by using those definitions to embrace our destination's priorities. And, you know, whatever they may be. And in our case, it's dispersion, inclusion, and rural economic development. Very cool. All right. Time for your bonus round question. (laughs) While accomplished DMO CEOs are fairly mobile, you are in a pretty elite club of state tourism directors that have had 
jobs in two different states. I mean, I think I can count maybe three of you, maybe four. So tell us how you got your first state tourism job in Illinois. <laughs> well, we talked about Donna Shaw earlier in this conversation. Right. Donna Shaw was the person who alerted me. I think I might have been the first person she told that she was going to resign from her job. And she said, I want you to have it. I was very close with the current administration. And so uh, with Donna's encouragement, I threw my hat into the ring and I ultimately was named. And I benefited so much from, from her mentorship, truly. I, I could pick up the phone anytime and give her a call and ask her a question. But I also benefited from the fact that she built a fantastic program. Yeah. And for those who didn't know Donna or weren't familiar with her during her uh, time in Illinois, I, she was just a force of nature. I was actually a DMO executive in Illinois at, when she was the head of, of state tourism. And when she came in, I mean, it just, everything changed. And that was just Donna. And the fact that the two of you uh, connected and you were her first mm -hmm. choice, I think is pretty cool. I was Donna Shaw's handpicked successor. <laughs> yeah. Very, very cool. Hey, Kathy, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule for this podcast. It's going to take some thoughtful leadership, I think, from DMO pros like you to spread this concept, this this philosophy, this the word, to ensure that tourism returns in a sensitive and sustainable way. I mean, we can do this. And I think this is the moment, you know, we've had this grand pause. And I think the smart ones among us are going to take this opportunity to make sure that when we come back, we don't come back like a ton of bricks. We come back really sensibly, focus on the high value. And that doesn't mean necessarily big bucks. It means what's right for our destinations, but it's got to be sustainable. So thank you for uh, leading this charge and for helping us see a, a new picture of, of what the next generation of high value consumers could be. Thank you, Bill. It has been a joy talking with you today. And thank you so much for inviting me onto your program. Oh, absolutely. We wanted to for quite some time. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers, this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Longwoods International, the producers of groundbreaking research, thought leading insights and excellent counsel and service to DMOs in areas like visitor research, advertising effectiveness, image research, and their new resident sentiment study. Learn more at longwoods-intl.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to our book, Destination Leadership, the Z News, our blogs, position papers on board diversity, and the new vision for community development, along with past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z. Com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time. <music> <laughs>